Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 12. It'll be on the screen in a minute when Shiloh sits back down. But here we go. And they were trying to get a hold of him, but they were afraid of the people, for they knew that they spoke this parable with reference to and against them. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version today, so it sounds a little different. So they left him and departed. But they sent some of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to him for the purpose of entrapping him in his speech. They came up and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere in what you profess to be, which you cannot lie, and that you have no personal bias for anyone. You are not influenced by partiality and have no regard for anyone's external condition or position. But, and on the basis of truth, you teach the way of God. So, is it lawful, is it permissible, is it right to give tribute or taxes to Caesar or not? Verse 15. Should we pay them or should we not pay them? That's what we all ask. But knowing their hypocrisy, he asked them, why do you put me to the test? Bring me a coin so that I may see it. And they brought him one. And then he asked them, whose image, picture is this? And whose subscription or title, they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, well, pay to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and God the things that are God's. And they stood marveling and greatly amazed at Jesus. And so this morning as we break this down, verse 12 we started with, it says that the Pharisees were trying to get rid of Jesus, but they were afraid. And I just want you to think of this phrase for a second, trying but afraid. Trying but afraid. How many of us, and and you don't have to raise your hand, but the 45 years we've been alive, right? 44, 35, whatever it may be. How many times have you been afraid in your life? Some of us, we're bold when we tell other people what we're afraid of. You know, when we were little kids, how many of us were afraid of the dark, right? I used to be. The dark was scary. And especially if you had mean siblings who would scare you or parents, right? I mean, who knows what would happen in the dark, right? Scary. And then if you had friends who showed you scary movies of, you know, chopping people's heads off and stuff when you're little, I mean, it's just freaky, right? How many of us can remember the very first time we were afraid? How many of us can remember the very first time we were afraid and maybe even even shaking a little bit and maybe even, you know, sweating a little bit? How many can remember the very first time being afraid? You know, many people, little kids, we remember, and we'll admit those things. Scared of the dark, you know, scared of the monsters that are in the closet, even though some of those monsters are nice, but some of the monsters aren't nice, right? We'll admit some of those things. But some of us have fears that we don't admit to anybody. Some of us deal with fears and inner fears that are so deep and they go down so far that it's not something we mention to anybody. But you know what happens when when you struggle and when you deal with a fear that is really deep, 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 deep? There's things that you say and there's things that you do to hide and cover that fear. So many people, how many people on our planet deal and struggle with fear in some way, in some shape? The Pharisees, they were afraid of people. They wanted to kill Jesus because they were jealous of Jesus. So the very first statement, this is they're trying to get Jesus, but they couldn't at this moment because they were afraid. 
the fear of man, the fear of what people think is one of the absolute worst fears in the whole entire world. And I can tell you, one of, whether we admit it or not, most everyone in this room has dealt with the fear of what someone else thinks. The fear of what someone else is going to say. It is a dangerous, dangerous trap to be afraid. It is so dangerous. Matthew 10.28 says this, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body because they cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And that sounds nice, right? That sounds good that we should only fear God. But I can tell you this morning, many of us, we're trying, but we're still afraid of things. I'm trying to make things work, but I'm still afraid of things. I'm still trying, but I still don't want to fail. I'm trying, but I'm afraid. I'm trying to step up, but I'm afraid. I'm trying to lead, but I'm afraid. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Every single person deals with fear in some level. Fear in relationships, fear in marriages, fear for kids. And if you have kids, then most of us deal with a lot of fears, right? Because you just don't know. But God loves you. God loves you. God cares for you. And you're never, ever alone. That's what the devil likes to do. He likes to trap you. And he wants to tell you, you're the only one dealing with this. You're the only one who has this kind of fear. You're the only one who has this kind of problem. You are the only one. And sometimes what we need to do is we need to tell the devil, shut up. Shut up. I'm not alone. With 7 billion people on this planet, there are more than one, right? There's more than one that's dealing with the same thing. Many of us today, we're trying but still afraid. Let God pull you out of your fear. Whatever it may be, if there's anything that you don't want to admit, anything that you don't want to talk about, anything that you are afraid of, God wants you to give it to him, but he wants you to walk out of that fear. He absolutely does not want you to fear any people, any men at all. He wants you to fear him only. And he, when, when you, if you're ever afraid of something, and you walk through that fear and you get out of it, it is one of the best feelings in the whole entire world, right? And sometimes fear, it doesn't just snap and go away because how many of us, there are things that we pray for in Jesus' name and, and things break and things happen, but there's other times where God wants to stretch and pull and test and he, and even with fear, you have to walk through the process of getting out of that fear. But you can't run away from it. And some of us in here, the very thing that you're afraid of is what God's trying to use you to do. The very thing that God wants you to use. You know, sometimes, you know, you look at the stage and it's, it looks scary. It's tall and stages are different shapes and sizes. But Zoe's not a place where it's just about me, Right? It's always a place where it's about you as well. And God is moving in some of your lives where he needs you to step up to the stage. And it's not a place to be afraid of. There's nothing scary. There is no giant monsters that are on here. I guarantee guarantee that there is nothing scary up here. Yet how many of us in this room have stage fright and do not want to get up here and just do something, right? That's one of the number one fears of the world, stage fright. I can't perform. What if I got to sing and dance? What if they're going to ask me to do a cartwheel? I can't do that on the stage. I can fall and break my neck. What God's called you to, he will get you through, right? Do not fear 
what God has called you to do. And if there's something that really spooks you out, that's probably exactly what he's asking you to do. Trying but afraid. I love how the Pharisees that came to Jesus and said they came to trap him. And it says that instantly they started saying these things. They said, Jesus, we know that you're sincere. Jesus, we know that you are what you profess to be. Jesus, we know that you don't ever tell lies. We know that you have no favorites. You're not influenced. You have no regard for position. You teach the way of God, and everything you say is true. It sounds like Jesus is getting buttered up for something, right? How many of us have ever been buttered up by somebody else? You know, sometimes, and I I will say I think that guys are better than girls at this, no offense, and I think girls can be this way too, but sometimes, you know, guys will oversell themselves to get a girl, right? How many, how many of us guys had to oversell ourselves? We, we went through the long list of hardworking, and when I'm 35 and then 45, I'm still going to be cute, I promise. And, you know, I, am, I do the dishes, and then I do this and this and this and this, and I have this long list of just how wonderful and amazing I am. It's the same list I gave Kim, but the, um, and then you get married and, and some ladies realize like, wow, what happened to that list, man? It's like, oh, I burned it up, right? It's gone. Sometimes you have to be careful because we can be naive, number one, to the devil. He butters you up every single day. Just like the Pharisees in this story, they are so buttering up Jesus. They've got a, it's not one stick, Okay, they've got multiple sticks of butter and they are working Jesus because they want to trap Jesus. The devil sets that for you every single day. He pulls out the butter. He simmers some in a pan so that it liquefies. And then he starts sprinkling it on you and throwing it on you. But you know what's funny? Sometimes we can be so naive to his lies every single day. Every day. Sometimes he'll even use the same lie and we're thinking, Oh my gosh, he's right. That's right. The devil is good. And then secondly, you know what? There's a lot of people just like the Pharisees. There are Christian people who profess to be Christian. There are, there are men and women all over the world who are speaking, if I can may say, crap. Because they're trying to trick you. And they're trying to use the Bible to twist your brain, right? That's why, you know, what I love about the Bible. The Bible, it is pretty thick, right? And so when you need to, you can smack somebody with it. But the Bible, it is so good and so rich. And it is a treasure chest waiting for you to discover it. I don't know about you, but I'm a Goonie fan. And so when I was eight, nine years old, I watched it 300 million times seeking treasure. I couldn't wait to go on a treasure hunt. I couldn't wait to, you know, be a goonie and go out there and and find jewels and emeralds and diamonds and stuff. But today I do. It's just in the Bible. I do. It's in the Bible. And when I open it up and when I start to study and when I look at the Hebrew and when I look at the Greek, I'm pulling out those, those treasures, those emeralds and those diamonds and God is moving and he's touching me. And that's for me. And I'm here to help you. But you need to help you too. You need to help you too. You can't rely on a man to tell you what to do or how to guide you. You need you and the Holy Spirit to grow as a Christian. God's put you here to grow as a person, as a believer, as a Christian, to dig into the word for yourself. We come to church on Sunday, one, because we like you, 
But two, it's to inspire you. It's to encourage you to push your faith, to push the growth that God wants to have inside of you. Stop listening to men who want to butter you up. There are so many people who want to control you, right? They're all over the world. People love control. People who are afraid love to control. People who are afraid love to control. And some of that, sometimes it's not a bad thing, but just be careful. You need to know what God's word says for you. The Pharisees came to Jesus and they buttered him up big time and said all these sweet things. And then they asked one of the questions we are still asking today. This is, if you didn't know, one of the most, most popular questions in the world. Should we pay taxes or not? How many people all over our world that are saying this every single day? If you're a 1099 employee or if you're, you know, you have a cash business or you have a cash business on the side and you have another business, how many people should I pay taxes? And they asked this question. It wasn't, it wasn't like they really cared, right? They didn't really care if Jesus paid taxes or not, but they were looking for a way to trap him. They wanted to get him in trouble with the governor, right? Jesus takes one look at him and he says he sees the hypocrisy. He sees the hypocrisy. And hypocrisy here is defended as someone who pretends, someone who's under acting under a false partition, someone who's under acting under a false part. And so Jesus looks at them and he sees the hypocrisy. And you know what's so funny? How many of us, we see the hypocrisy in others, but we never see the hypocrisy in ourselves? How many of us, we look at churches all over the world, we see Christians all over the world, we see Christians walking down the street, and how many of us look at them and think, ah, man, I, I think that guy's a hypocrite. We are so quick to judge and see people's hypocritical ways, but never, ever taking a look within. Jesus said, Matthew 7, 1, it says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be judged by God severely? Do you want God to break out the whip? He wouldn't do that anyway, but, you know, I'm just picturing like dad, my dad, you know, when I was a kid and got in trouble. I got some good ones, but those good ones are for, for good, right? When you beat up your sisters and stuff like that. But I don't know about you. I don't want to stand before God and have to be judged. Jesus says, listen, do not judge others and you won't be judged. He goes on. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. You know, as a Christian, sometimes our priorities get screwed up. And sometimes we think, ah, oh, God made me the judge today. Court's in session. I'm going to judge all these people, right? Because how many times we find ourselves talking about other believers, what they should be doing, shouldn't be doing, this and this and this and this. Well, just remind yourself as you're judging other people, God's going to judge you with the same exact standard. If you're desiring perfection for that person, God's going to say, I desire perfection from you as well. The same standard that you use to judge, God will use on you. And I don't know about you, I'm not perfect. And I'm pretty sure, except for my wife, she's perfect, but the rest of you all, I don't know. And if we're all imperfect people, 
why is it our job, we think sometimes, to hold people to a standard that we don't hold ourselves to? Jesus said, do not judge others. You will not be judged. You will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So you know what's a good motto and a good goal? Just be kind to everybody. When someone wants to gossip, just change the conversation to the Dodgers, right? They're going to lose this year anyway. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. See, I'm judging. That's wrong, right? If somebody starts talking gossip with you, change the conversation. Change it to the Lakers. They will win this year. Hallelujah, right? And then Jesus goes on to say, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? And I love this. When you have a log in your own eye. I, I tell you, we as Christians sometimes, we spend hours, if we tabulated, if we wrote down the amount of time that Christians spend talking about other Christians, people that we know, people on TV, it is a long list and it's a long hour. And sometimes spouses talking about spouses, spouses talking about their kids, just talking, 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 right? Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Be careful what you say about somebody else because what you're saying about them, God will judge you the exact same way. Jesus sees the hypocrisy in them. We see the hypocrisy in other people, but we fail to see in us. We all have a little bit of hypocrisy in us because we're imperfect. One day, and we are moving towards perfection, right? One day we're, we're going to get there. Some of us maybe next week, some down the road like years. But don't worry about other people's journey. Just worry about your journey. That's what God wants you to do. Worry about your journey and the journey and process someone else is going through. Let God handle them. How, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus turns to him and says, can you bring me a coin? And so they bring him a coin. He says, whose image and whose picture is on it? They said, Caesar's. So Jesus said, fine, let's give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Pay taxes. Yes, pay taxes. Jesus said it. You heard me say, pay taxes. And if you don't want to pay taxes, that's between you and him, right? It's not between me and you. But he tells to them, if that's the coin and that's Caesar, well, then give to him what belongs to him. And then he goes on to say, but that coin with his picture, yes, part of it may belong to him. But then he said, but also, secondly, make sure you give to God what belongs to God. And there's two things that Jesus is pointing out when he said this. Give to God what belongs to God. Because, yes, we should pay a share of taxes. If we live in a country and there are things that are taken care of and this, that, and the other, yes, we should pay some taxes. And, and sometimes, you know, the amount could be up for speculation. And, and believe me, there's times where it's like, oh, you're taking that much out of my paycheck. Oh, my gosh. They love to take money. Which I'm still waiting for my refund two months later. Thank you. But they love to take our taxes, right? That's a whole other debate, but they love. But you know what is our duty to a country that's beautiful and wonderful? No matter who's in charge, we should pay taxes. But Jesus goes on to say, pay taxes. But he said, also give to God what belongs to God. 
And in this, two things that he's mentioning. One is the tithe. You should give your tithe because it does belong to God. Deuteronomy 14.22 says this. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops that you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place your Lord God chooses for his name to be honored. Eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, firstborn males of your flocks, herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord. What does tithing do? It teaches you to always fear the Lord and to honor him. Give to Caesar. Give to man what belongs to man. But give to God what belongs to God. Give to God what belongs to him. The tithe belongs to him. And then secondly, he brings up the image and the picture and the coin and the second thing that he's describing is you have to give what belongs to who it belongs to. The coin is made with an image of Caesar on it, but you as a person, who are you made in the image of? You're made in the image of God, right? And so in the beginning, to give you a little history, and I'm sure all of us remember this, in the beginning it says God made them male and female, not male and male, not female and female, male and female, male and female in his image. Now, if you back up for a second, he could have, because men are so wonderful, made us all just in his image, right? Because we possess really great qualities, right? But God had to cut it off. At some point he's like, you know what? He can't handle it anymore. I got to make a woman. She can carry the rest, right? And so men and women carry each of us designed and designated parts of God that are made in his image, made in the image, which means likeness and profile, to be representation, to the resemblance of God, to be his shade, to be like his phantom, an illusion of God himself. We made male and female, God made us in his image. And so as he's speaking to the Pharisees, he says, listen, you give that money to who it belongs to. Give it to Caesar, give it to God. But secondly, make sure that you give yourself to God every single day. Made in his image. And there's something that got broken years ago. And we know the story again in the history with Adam and Eve where they were also made in the image, the first two people. But something happened in the garden. Because even though we know that Adam and Eve had some babies, we had some babies, we had some babies, we had some babies, right? And poof, here we are, right? We're so lucky. And we're all so beautiful and handsome, right? Coming from those two lovely individuals. Great grandma and grandpa, Adam and Eve. But there's something that happened when they ate the fruit. And I want you to think of the conversation with the snake for a second. They were made in the image. They were made in the image of God. They had perfection running through their veins. They had waterfalls. They had dinosaurs. They had everything. It was beautiful. But as the snake comes and talks with Eve and Adam, and maybe they had multiple conversations, right? Maybe it was social hour. Maybe it was, you know, 6 o'clock. That's when we have tea and crackers. And so they get together at 6 and they have a conversation. But today the conversation got wacky. It got weird. And there's something that got broken there. There's something that was taken off in this moment. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. Thousands of years later, you and I, were still made in the image of God. But there was something different from us today than, than, than back then that happened. When, you can bring me that wallet. When, 
when Adam and Eve were having the conversation with the devil, I want you to think about this. What did the devil say? Did God really say, Adam and Eve? And think about the words and what he's implying. He's trying to make them feel stupid. Have you ever felt stupid in a conversation where you're talking with somebody and they like are a brain surgeon and you feel like you're a McDonald's, you know, microwave hamburger flipper flopper? Have you ever like had a conversation you're like, I just feel so dumb and embarrassed. I don't have no idea what they're talking about. This person's way smarter than me. This is what Adam and Eve are feeling in this second. He was trying to make them feel so dumb and so stupid that they'd be embarrassed. Like, oh my gosh, maybe God did say it. Maybe we missed it. Maybe God told Adam, and we know how Adam is because he's a boy, right? This is what Eve's thinking. We know, how, we know how boys are. He probably heard part of it, and she's getting embarrassed. And you know what happened? Her pride started to get embarrassed, and she's thinking to herself, oh, my gosh, this guy that God gave me, he heard wrong. What if he heard wrong? What if this snake? Adam's cuter than the snake, but maybe the snake is right. And her pride started moving and shaking and she's getting embarrassed like oh my gosh what if it what if the snake's right and my dumb boyfriend's wrong and you know what happened even though she's made in the image even though adam was made in his image there was another image that changed the minute that they took the fruit they took off god's image and they were left with their own self image we're made in his image today but so many people deal with the self-image that we have. You see, 65% of teens today feel that there's an ideal person that they should look like. 45% of adults feel, still feel, there's a body type that they should be and look like. By the time a child's three to four years old, three and a half, they have already started thinking about what their body should look like. 60% of teens... And 61% of adults feel negative about the way that they look. This morning, there is a knockdown 12-round championship fight for your life. And it's the, the fight for whose image that you bear every single day. Do you clothe yourself with the image of God? You're made in his image already. You are a son, you are a daughter. But when you wake up, do you put on the clothes that God has given to you? Do you put on the armor that he needs us to wear? Do you clothe yourself with the righteousness and peace and joy and kindness and all the good things that God has for us? Do you put on that? You are made in his image. Or do you do more with your self-image? And last two weeks ago, we broke down a story, Matthew 13, 18, and the title was two weeks ago, A Landing Spot. As we talked about in my garden, and we're going to get to this beautiful garden area here in a minute. But we talked about that the word of God is trying to find a landing spot in us. But see, the word has to fight through so many different things. It has to fight through so many different levels. Now, all of us, we love onions, right? Aren't onions an amazing and you peel off what? You had to peel and cut and chop what? Layers. The word of God is trying to break through some of our own layers and we're not letting it in. And some of it's because it's fear. And some of it's past hurts. And some of it's past words that have been spoken over us. There's so many different layers, just like a beautiful, and you can be a white or brown or purple onion, whatever you want to be. But layers that the word of God is trying to break through. 
Now listen to the explanation of the parable. It says, the farmer planting seeds, the seed that fell in the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. The devil comes, snatches away with the seed, the seed that was planted in their hearts. And so number one, as God's word is trying to find a landing spot in you, I want you to think of it this way today. It's a little bit different. God's word is trying to find a landing spot in you so that you walk in the image that he made you, but you also have to put on the clothes of his image. You have to dress yourself with the image which he has for you. And so what does the devil try to do every single day? It says in this story that he comes and snatches that word away. He is trying to rob you of putting on your God clothes. All of us, we found clothes this morning. When we remembered that it was 9 o'clock and time to get to church, we remembered to get dressed, right? But some of us, we have not put on our God clothes. There's things that we're struggling with, things that we're dealing with, things that we're not letting through because our self-image, 60%. 61, negative feelings towards themselves. 66% of teens, negative feelings towards themselves. The image that we're made in, we took that off and we accepted our own self-image. And it's not just kids. Adults today struggle. And sometimes what the devil does is he wants you to promote your image to the top. He wants your image to be on top. Yeah, you're made in God's image, but you know what? You're more important. Your image is more important. Caring about you, it's more important. Whatever you need and want, that's more important. Jesus said, don't worry about life. Don't worry. Stop worrying. If you seek me, what is he going to do? He'll take care of what you need. Be it how many of us every single day worried about what we need. And it's not just bread. It's not just apple cinnamon toast with a little butter and pancake syrup, which sounds so good. It's not just to feed our bellies. There are so many people today who are fighting with the devil and they're fighting over the image word. Whose image will you bear today? When you leave in the morning, what is he trying to do? He's trying to get you to promote your self-image. Everywhere you go, everything that you do, do not care about God today. Just care about you. Jesus goes on, there's a seed that fell on the rocky soil, which represents the message, and immediately people receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecution, and they stop believing God's word. Problems, how many of us all have problems? How many of us have ever felt persecution? What are these two things that the devil uses every single day to get you, to stop you, to rob you of your God-given destiny and blessing? He uses problems. He uses problems because you know what you do? As soon as he brings up problems, as soon as the devil reminds you of the 30 problems that you have, you know what you do? You get back into, ah, this is my self-image. And I don't want my pride hurt. And I don't, need my, I don't need to be embarrassed. And I don't need this. And I don't need that. The devil uses problems every single day because he wants to be you to be stuck on who? You. Jesus goes on, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth. And so no fruit is produced. And these two are extremely important. There is a lure of wealth. There is a lure for money. Yes, all of us in this room would love more money. 
We would love for our bank account to sprinkle a little water on our bank account and just watch it grow, right? We all in this room could say, yes, I could use a little bit of money. But one of the biggest distractions in life is money. Because sometimes as soon as you start to desire it, it has controlled you from the top down. And money changes people. Money changes people from the inside out. When people die, mom and dad die, I'm telling you, siblings fight over money and houses and cars. And sometimes it's just gross and disgusting what money does to people. Money is gross. What does the devil want to use in your life, my life? Money. Now, if Jesus was here today, I think he'd add a couple more. And I think he would use fear. I think he would use the job. And I think he'd also use social media. If there is a fight for whose image that you walk in every single day, I think today your friends, your job, and social media play a big part in a lot of people's lives. How many people scroll through social media? How many people are on Instagram following pictures and seeing what people are eating and then wondering, ah, oh, wish I had that for dinner. I just had a filet mignon, but that looked better, right? Isn't it funny sometimes we can like see what somebody else is eating and they're just having some pasta with olive oil and basil and maybe some fresh zucchini. And, oh, man, that looks so good. While you're eating a filet mignon and you're thinking, ah, oh, I wish I could have had that. The devil uses social media like no other tool today. And you know what he's trying to do? Make you jealous, make you afraid, and promote your image within. So that who are you concerned about? Only you. You know, people's jobs and careers today... There are so many people who, for them, their job and their career is, it's it. It's what I pursue. My happiness, who I am, my image, it's all based around this job. Now, if you're having a conversation with God right now, and you, you had to explain to him why your job is so important, who's going to win that conversation? God. Is a job important? Yes. It should be a little food on the table, even if it's pasta, Right? But is your job more important than your God-given job? Absolutely not. And this is where a lot of us fail every single day, me included. I work for a company that is very stressful, and they demand a lot of time and attention and pushing us, pushing, 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 grow sales, grow sales, right? But some of us, were pursuing a job and career because it makes us feel better, and you're never going to find it. You're never going to find it there. You find peace and happiness in what God had made you to be in him. And the last seed, it fell on good soil, Jesus said. Matthew 13, 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear the word, understand it, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times. Where does God want you to land? He wants you to land in the land of harvest. He wants you to have a great harvest. But he wants you to be in a harvest situation that he leads you to. Not that you make for yourself, that God leads you to. God wants his word to have a landing spot in you. And sometimes things are quick and sometimes things ain't so quick. But God wants to process you until you have a nice, big, juicy, wonderful harvest. John 10 says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that doesn't all mean money. But Jesus said, I want to make you fully satisfied. What does the devil say? No, you can make you fully satisfied. You can take care of yourself. You can make yourself happy. 
You can pursue this and it'll be happy. You can pursue that. There is two different stories out there. But what story do you live by every single day? Is it the full, rich, satisfying life that God has for you? So this morning as we start to wrap up, my title today is called Dress for Success. And stress for success for this reason. 1 Corinthians 15.50 says this. What am I saying, brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in your victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. The law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13, 14. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge you. So we close up this morning. We look at our, our beautiful box. And this morning I just was moving things around and kind of throwing here and here. and Because you know what? Some of our spiritual lives, that's what it looks like. You wanted to dress for success, but the devil has you stuck on you. You wanted to dress for success. You're made in his image. You're a son. You're a daughter. But the image, oh, oh, let me hurry up. Let me, oh, let me clean this up. Oh, let me hurry up, put some pants on. Oh, let me, oh, let me, oh, yeah, yeah. I got to get rid of the dirt. I got to hide the dirt. The spiritual life, a mess. You're made in the image of God, but it's time to be clothed with his image as well. Stand with me. We're going to close and pray. I do have one verse and then we are going to pray. And this is exactly why the devil does not want you to clothe yourself with, with God. Colossians 3.12 says, since God chose you, say this to yourself, God chose me to be holy. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. This is where it gets good. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together. We're made in our image, but we leave our God clothes at home. You're still a son and a daughter no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter. We make mistakes all the time, right? We say stupid things all the time. We do dumb, stupid things all the time. We do, right? That's just in our nature. Because you know why? Because we forgot our God clothes. To be clothed with Jesus Christ. Be clothed with Jesus Christ. The devil wants you. The devil 
need you to be what? You. Selfish. You. He doesn't care that you're still made in God's image. He didn't care. But what he does not want, he doesn't want you to be loving. The devil doesn't want you to be kind. The devil does not want you to make allowance for each other's faults. Clothe yourself with Jesus. Clothe yourself with him. You're made in his image. doesn't matter the look. It doesn't. We're all going to get there in the end, right? Some of us are going to have more wrinkles than others. Some of you are going to have more hair than me. It doesn't matter. We will all get there in the end. So don't focus on how it looks. Focus on him every day. And let him clothe you with Jesus and everything that you need to be the best man, to be the best woman that you can be every single day. God, we come to you and we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the scriptures. God, we thank you for these verses. Thank you for the Pharisees and the Herodians and the butter. God, we thank you for Jesus and, and all the words that are in this and the hypocrisy and all these things and judging this and not judging this and all of this stuff and clothes and success and image. God, we thank you for all these words. But we pray that, that the word, it wouldn't be something that we just listen to. God, that truly you would help us to stop being judgmental. Help us to stop looking at the speck in everyone's eyes and neglecting our log. God, help us every day to not be so self-consumed with our own image and jobs and careers. And this is what I'm pursuing. This is what makes me happy. God, help us. Forgive us where we've gotten off the wrong path. Forgive us. It's your path that matters. It's your path. It's your way. You are the way, the truth, and life. It's your way is what we need. God, so we give you this day. Clothe us this morning with Jesus Christ. Clothe us with love and, and sacrifice and, and giving and kindheartedness. God, clothe us with the things that we need to go out and live for you this week. We love you in Jesus' name.